Welcome to another edition of Tech Watch, where we keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. I'm Sam Bushman, Jay Harrison with me. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Sam. How's it going in your world of tech? Oh, man, it's going phenomenal in many, many, many ways. We talked about social media networks a couple of episodes ago, uh, and I mentioned my favorite ones. Uh, Instagram was uh, one we thought was really kind of modern. Everybody's using it and stuff like that, but it's not mine or your favorite. That's right. We talked about one of my favorites being uh, Pinterest, and you kind of laughed at me for that. <laughs> uh, but I, my reasoning is how functional it is and how it's not really focused on social in terms of people. It's more of social as in collaborative projects. And I found that uniquely interesting and delightful. And where I got uh, to be a fan of that was I told my daughter to get me a recipe of something, and she got it, and it was incredible, and, and I liked it. My daughter, believe it or not, Guess where she's going today, Jay? Uh, Pinterest conference. That is right. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, you could say it's kind of an old school technology or whatever else, but, man, there's pinner conferences all over. The is country. that what they call it, anyway, pinners? Yeah, pinners. Yep. Nah. Anyway, I digress, except for your favorite one is in the news right now with an incredible growth pattern, Jay. That's right. Telegram has been uh, exploding in growth. They're... Um, they're integrating Ton, which is like a, uh, a crypto network. Uh, they are adding mini apps so that developers from games to restaurants can build in, like where you can order stuff online um, and set up deliveries, all kinds of stuff. And what I thought it was interesting of this, though, is that they now have over 800 million active monthly users. So you know, they have billions of people that have signed up, but they, they have 800 million that are active constantly every month uh, in the uh in the Telegram system, it's available on iOS and every platform you can think of. It's fact, I would say that it's probably the most um, platform prolific, yeah, yeah, than any app that I know. I mean, you know, even on Linux, is that what you call it? Yeah, uh, they have they have more versions of it than anybody else that I know. Um, it's kind of one of the things I don't like about Apple as far as their iMessage. I know why they do it for security, but I really wish you could do iMessage. In fact, this is a true story. I learned about Telegram. I went searching for it probably in around 2017 because I could not have, there was no good solution to be able to use iMessage on a PC. You can't be in that Apple ecosystem on a PC very well. And I found Telegram. It was um, worked on iOS, worked on Apple, but also worked on Windows. It also works on Linux and a bunch of other stuff too. And that was the reason that I started using it. And I use it like Dave, like I said, it's probably my most used application. And that's why 800 plus million people regularly agree with you. Yeah. And they are adopting huge. the the uh, strategy of WeChat from China, that, that super app approach. And they're going to be, you're going to see soon, you, you can you can write in JavaScript and other languages, you can, you're going to be able to write mini apps, games. Um, it's going to, they're just continuing to become the super app on your phone. And it'll be interesting to watch. It's because of the API capabilities that they're adding to this thing too, where you can call on the core functionality uh, of the communications app, the group functions, etc., and stuff like that. And then you can basically add your own unique mini app or whatever to the purpose. Or That's kind of what's going on, right? And they also, they have done for years, and I use this for years, um, they integrate with IFTTT. So you can set up automated reminders. You can set up triggers um, within chats where things can tell you, uh, you know, report back telemetry like, hey, your your garage door is open or send out a reminder at a certain time to do whatever. 
Um, that's all they've had that for years, but they're just expanding on this and continuing to make the product uh, improve. They have now a, like a premier membership. Um, depends on where you buy it. If you buy it in the app on iOS, it's a little more expensive because the Apple Store takes a bigger cut of things. If you buy it on Windows, it's a little bit cheaper, but you can get a pro version of Telegram, which adds um, bigger messaging. I mean, normally in Telegram, I think you can send a file up to like one gigabyte. With Pro, you can send up, I think, a four gigabyte file. I don't remember the numbers exactly, but it's things like that. They just looks like a premium, Telegram premium. Um, so they're starting to monetize it too, which is a good news for any app that monetizes it that way because I think that shows that they're going to be stable. When an app is all free, it leaves you to wonder, are they either just going to sell out are they going to fail because they don't have enough funding, or is there some ulterior motive that's funding them that I'm not aware of? Yeah, are they collecting and doing things that you wish they might not, or that right. you didn't? I mean, I guess you agreed to because it's the EULA, but it's such tiny whatever that you clicked on it and went past it, and I guess you gave permission, but not really, right? Yeah, and so I, I saw recently, I don't remember what the number was, but it was in the millions, I think uh, 1.3 million people that have already subscribed to Telegram Premium. Um, so that's going to bring them in good funding and keep them stable. And, and I, I think and hope that they're going to be around for a long time. Yeah. And this is an interesting thing too, because when we started out talking about social media before you, you, you know, right when you think social media, you think, okay, telegram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, but you don't really think of the telegrams of the world because they're kind of like, mm, they were an instant messenger kind of before they were anything else, kind of whatever. And, um, a communication platform. And then, a, you know, you could talk kind of on the phone or what equivalent to each other and now they've backed into this expanding of sorts and you know they're kind of the unsung heroes really of this industry because they've got a leg up on everybody else instantly their core technologies of communication just start to sing jay i'll, I'll show my age a little bit here for those that can follow along but telegram <laughs> replaced for me uh before that was google talk before that was trillion and before that was aol instant messenger yeah, that makes the point. But now they're backing into all these other features that are getting tacked onto it. Uh, even Twitter, uh, which we'll get into here uh, in a few minutes, is trying to really change the game. In fact, let's just do that right now because it's just front and center. Um, Musk over that's Elon Musk over at Twitter, SpaceX, is whatever you want to call it. They say now Starlink has achieved, quote, break even status flow. Wow. Or cash, cash flow, flow, I mean. Yeah. So now they're breaking even already on that. And that shocks me, not that they've done it, but that they've done it so quickly, Jay. That is tremendously quick for a satellite company. I mean, there is a lot of overhead to get something like this off the ground, literally, and started and running, and then have it break even. They've only been doing it. I've only had my dish for, what, a year, maybe two I mean, that have been on there, even even if you count waiting list time and stuff. So it really hasn't been that long. I mean, they've been working on the project probably, I'm sure, for years before that, but what do you want to say, three years, five years that they may yeah, have been working on the project? Break even is fast because you got to keep in mind, not only did he have to, to you know, onboard people to pay for the thing, but he had to launch all those satellites in the first place, Jay. An incredibly expensive proposition. Break even on this is insane already. I agree. And you know what? He's going to have competition, too, because Amazon's releasing their Kuiper project soon. And that's going to be good because... Uh, Starlink has already raised their rates twice on me. So it used to start out at $100 a month, $99 a month. Then it went to 110 Now it's 120 I hope that trend doesn't continue. Um, I know they're trying to fund it and make it well, break even. Maybe that's their break expensive, even. If they get it too expensive, they're going to lose the game because other people are going to use different technologies if they're not careful. That's true. That is very true. So, But right so now they're going to jam the up job. Is, but you know what? 
if they've raised it, but they break even this quickly, my hope is that they get, um, I don't know what you want to call it, ubiquitous enough to where they're like, hey, we can drop the prices now. We've got so many people on this thing. We're making plenty of money. We can go ahead and back into this now. The initial early adopters and the launch was expensive, but now we got this thing you know, going on. That's the hope. One of the interesting things I recently read about was, you know, the FCC has this plan for the Affordable Connection Care Act yes. or whatever, um, and they give people, it was $50, now I think it's like $30 a month toward a broadband solution, especially rural people or people that low income don't have access. Um, uh, Starlink applied for that, got turned down because they said that their initial equipment buy-in, which is like five $600, was too much for poor people or whatever and so they didn't get the thing but i think that would um if number one i don't think they should be doing that fcc anyway but that's beside the point but if they're going to i think they should include all companies including starlink in it because it really for a lot of rural people um it's the only option for broadband yeah and you can say costs are prohibitive but uh, and i agree that they're expensive but at the same time compared to what if you live out in the boonies uh, and you don't have much well, uh, but all you can get is this. It might be your only real lifeline to the world. And what if you're renting a modem for ten, twenty dollars a month for years and years on end to no end? You can really you can replace a five hundred dollar piece of equipment pretty quick. There you have it. All right, um, X now or Twitter, if you will, is launching two new subscription tiers, um, including a quote premium and a plus version. Uh, they also have a free plan. So there's three different versions that you can get now, Jay. I don't know if you saw this. I have not. Um, I don't have a blue check. how Sam. they're doing this. I'm, uh, well, you I'm not gotta, verified. So. <laughs> You've got to do the uh, the premium one to get the check. Yeah. Are you are you a blue check, Sam, on Twitter? I don't know. No. No. Yeah. You probably need to do that. You're a celebrity, their Sam. Goal, their goal is to bring in additional revenue, Jay. The social media giant is adding a new premium plus tier. It's $16 a month. One six, $16 a month. It offers the largest, what they call reply boost. It removes ads from the service. Um, it also comes with a red revenue sharing, along with access to other quote creator tools. Um, the second tier is called basic and it's three bucks a month. And that does not come with a blue check mark, but it does come with some of these other things. It does come with a smaller version of Reply Boost. Um, anyway, Wait, does that mean the eight dollar a month plan is gone? You only have a three and a sixteen. I think so. They don't say anything about the eight, so I think so. Wow, I should have got on the eight. I wonder if they're grandfathered in, or they just got to get pick one or the other. Well, you got free, then you got three, then you got sixteen. Hmm. Dollars a month. Yeah, no, I mean now, the people that know, were at eight. Now they're going to have to pick three or sixteen, right? I think so, but I don't. Know. I mean, I don't know that for sure. It doesn't say. It says they're launching two new subscription tiers, so it's possible that they got a three and an eight and a sixteen and a free. All right, you're going to get option gridlock if you have too many options. Twitter X. Yeah. I mean. Anyway, I found that interesting though. Elon Musk uh, is. They say that their goal is to really focus on making sure that this thing can make money. Right. I'm surprised that he got Starlink. Maybe I'm not surprised that he got Starlink to break even before he got Twitter to. Twitter's been around for a long time, though. Yeah, it's only a year old, though, is the thing. What do you mean? Twitter's been around forever since I had a next. No, no, no. He's owned Twitter. He's been in control. Oh, I see what you're saying. He can't be responsible for before he was even involved. No, what I mean, it's got such a long history, though. The 
it should have been. At least I, it, see, it would seem well, like. Well, you're right about that. The, the real question or discussion is how big of a failure that they handed him. I mean, $44 billion boondoggle, and it's taken the guy a year to start to get things to common sense and stuff. But you take um, a- But I'm saying you can't hold him responsible for that earlier stuff. Really, Elon Musk, when he got it a year ago, is the only start mark you can use. And so far, it's gone from $44 billion to $19 billion in value, they say. However, if he really changes the game, it might change the numbers quickly. Yeah, but he's a, I think he's a good enough business mogul that he could walk in, cut the fat, and bring up revenue, and have been able to turn that around uh, pretty quick. And maybe this is it. Maybe he's doing it. So, Yeah, maybe so. And a year's pretty quick. I mean, if he got that done, it would be shocking. But remember, you got all kinds of people, though, that have been against him politically on this, too, that have really shut down most of his advertising uh, support. That's true. Now, I'm not trying to make it political on this show. I'm just saying that's what has been done. Um, they've made it political. Speaking of that, they say tech layoffs are back with a vengeance, Jay. So people are getting laid off tech-wise, left and right, buddy. Man, they're telling everybody that are going to school, get a tech job, get a tech job. Um, and there's so many of these tech jobs that are unfulfilled, but then on the same newspaper you you know, or the same site, you'll read tech layoffs. Tech layoffs are going crazy. So which is it, Sam? Uh, both. <laughs> That's probably true. I, I don't mean to be vague on that. What I mean is that I think there are layoffs left and right. But I think a lot of those people in the tech world have been overpaid, and that's why the layoffs. Uh, I think that there is still room in the tech industry because it continues to grow. I think all is true. Sometimes when you uh, have something that's to the cat's meow or whatever you want to say, and it's overhyped, you know, you start paying people two, three hundred grand salaries in IT, and you go, hmm. It's a valuable need position, but I can get rid of this guy for two hundred grand, and I can hire three guys for seventy grand. And by golly, I'm spending ten grand more, but I've got three employees now. Yeah, one hundred and twenty hours a week thrown at it instead of forty. Or if they're paid decent, you can get forty five, fifty hours out of them for salary. Um, and so, you know, I think there's room for growth, but I also think there's kind of a correction in the market happening all at once, Jay. So I think both are true. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're probably hiring a lot of um, overseas stuff too, and you've got. Um, I think just think there's a lot of variables in it. I also think Sam Bushman and uh, Jay Harrison, just so you know, are not those uh, 250 grand guys. I wish we were. Yeah, no, because then I'm be probably nice. laid off. I'm just happy to be in my little redneck guy and keep my job. How about that? Although I'd like a raise here and there. That would be a good idea. Um, I love to say this word, Jay. Raspberry. <laughs> How do you spell that? Oh, raspberry. Out, ladies and gentlemen. Rasp- raspberry. Raspberry. It's just funny. It's really, it, you really spell it. R A S P B E R R Y, raspberry. Right, raspberry. Really, they call it raspberry pie. And the Pi 5 is out, Jay, with some tremendous features, huh? It is. They're coming out with the 5 now, finally. I was just wondering about this the other day, and then boom, it landed. Actually, for a long time during COVID, I had Camel, 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 which watches prices on Amazon, watching the prices of the Raspberry Pi 4. Because the Raspberry Pi 4, um, we were using for a lot for like uh, these screenly devices that are like, you know, televisions in retail and things like that. And for a while during COVID, especially like in 2022, um, the prices just got crazy. I mean, you had these these Raspberry Pi 4s that were generally 45 to maybe $75 on on the real market. And they were selling for $200 because nobody could get them. There was a chip shortage and all this other thing. Well, those prices have finally come down. And just as soon as they got back down to where they should be kind of or where the target price was, they released the Raspberry Pi 4. This has a new 16 nanometer Broadcom 
uh, processor but this is in the it. five, right? This is the five. Yeah, we're talking about the five now. Yeah, I just want to be clear because you talked about the four. Now we're we're on the five now. Yeah, the four is just a little bit of history, right? To come to come up yes. to it. It's I a sixty-four sure bit quad core ARM Cortex CPU. It is two or three times the CPU performance as the Raspberry Pi four, while also consuming much less power for a given workload. Uh, the graphics get a significant boost. It's got a video core 7 GPU supported by a 32-bit SRAM system. So it's got twice the memory bandwidth of the Pi 4. There are now a 4K 60p HEVC coder or decoder on board. The system's able to drive 2K or sorry, two 4K 60p HDMI displays at the same time. So you could use this as a desktop, Sam, if you wanted to. Uh, the Raspberry Pi 5 has the new sound bridge for handling most inputs and outputs with USB bandwidth more than doubling. It's now got two four-lane MIPI transceivers for the camera and the display. It's got twice the peak speed for SD card performance. It's got um, a single-lane PCI Express 2.0 interface that's exposed for the first time, so it's right on the board that you can uh, get access to it and use it in your applications. Um, so if you want cards and expansion and things like that. Um, the application processor or Southbridge are supported by a new team member. They've got a Gilmore power management integrated circuit. Um, it has eight separate power switch mode supplies to meet various voltage needs of the platform. It includes a real-time clock that can be powered by an external uh, capacitor or a little magnesium cell PC-style button thing. So it's got its own clock built in now, just like a regular real motherboard that we would see nowadays or even in the past. Uh, the computer has the um, Wi-Fi Bluetooth combo, the same one from the Raspberry Pi 4 built-in, connected to the application processor via an SDIO interface. Still has all the uh, GPIO pins that it had before. It now has gigabit Ethernet port. It's been moved a little bit to the bottom right, so you, your cases and things like that are going to be a little bit different now. Um, and it also has a, a four-pin PoE connector so that you can run this with power over Ethernet. Um, mounting holes for heatsink have been added along with connectors for a fan built in now instead of trying to steal pins off of the GPIO connectors. Um, and it is out now and it came out in the end of October. MSRP is $60 for the four gig model, $80 for the eight gig model. And I like it. Man. Say the number again. Uh, the MSRP is $60 for a four gig model and $80 for the eight gig model. Now, here's the interesting thing. You know, when Pies first came out, they were certainly not near as feature-rich as that, but they were, you know, 30 35 bucks. Then you wanted to get a nicer case, and then you wanted to this and that, and the cost has been steadily going up, but well under $100 and virtually a full-fledged PC at this point, not counting, um, you know, your, your monitor, your drive, or your keyboard, or external right. peripherals and such, but really a significant core. What kind of a case does it have, or is that including a case? That's not including a case. Everything else that you add to this um, is optional, even a power supply and things like that. You can find kits that will have it for in the 100, 120, I mean, depending on the flavor that you get. Yeah, you can you're going to get a kit with these things for more like 150, 200 bucks. Yeah, but you're going to have your peripherals and you're going to have a real PC at that point on the ARM processor or ARM technology uh, architecture, though. Yeah. And, you know, Windows doesn't run on it natively. There are I've seen people get it to run on it through emulation and things. But um, Windows is Microsoft's been toying with an idea of bringing out an ARM processor. Um, you know, Apple has their own silicon now. It's kind of loosely based on ARM a little bit. Um, 
and there's some beneficial reasons to go for it. Power management is one of the big ones. I like that people are getting really serious about power management because it's the it's the fastest, easiest way to get more battery life. You can't just cram in bigger, heavier batteries into these things. They've got to figure out a way, and that's one of them is doing things like ARM technology. And if we get a Windows version that will run on ARM, you could easily see people running a Raspberry Pi 5 for their desktop, I would say. Uh, and I agree it would be, a li- at this point, still minimal comp- compared to the hardware that I want. Yeah. Uh, but still usable for a lot of people in a lot of situations, especially changing the game when it comes to the digital divide, Jay. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. This is, because this is a real answer. Yeah, and if you wanted a portability, too. I mean, if you want to have a PC that you can just take and move around. You know, we talked about that kind of being in your phone one day or something like that where you could have... Just take your whole system with you in a pocket PC kind of a form. We've seen the OQO and different um, people that have attempted this never really took off and been successful. And I'm not saying that a Raspberry Pi will do that, but it's a lot of hardware if you're just using it for, um, you know, some application like running your sprinkler system or something like that. Nowadays, I, I think the Raspberry Pi Zero and these ones that are just little chips on a board are even better for applications like that. This is this is a, a full PC for uh that's kind of straddling the fence between full pc that can run double displays and also like your little hobby pc to run your sprinkler system or whatever yeah they're being used for more and more i don't know what i don't know what to call it cool purposes is the best way to describe it people use them to run plex servers for example yeah yeah plex servers and by the way in a future broadcast we'll be talking about plex has made some serious moves towards social networking as well we don't have time for that today but they're really changing the game too and that's an example a plex server was just a a multimedia server now it's a social networking i don't know social media social or multimedia server uh, anyway very very interesting how everybody's fighting a niche to back into this core who will be the winners and losers starts to be the question at some point everybody can't be everything to everybody what ecosystems will pan out what core services will be the heart of new technologies going forward and uh, it's a power play right now for the ecosystem jay to say that that's right to say the least Absolutely. I, I, I think it's cool how people have, and I'd, I'd love to do one of these just as a hobby or trying to test it out. Um, you see families who have their own Plex server and they kind of share it with different people and um, they have their movie library and, and that kind of stuff on there or even home videos and, and things like that. I think it's super cool. It's very cool. There's a lot going on. Technology is changing. One of the most important things I want to say before the end of this episode is you really, if you own a business, you really need to consider having a tech team alongside for the ride. Consider it your part-time tech team, if you will. Consider it a group of people that you know, really understand this security stuff, really understand best practice, really understand how to recommend software to solve uh, problems for you and your company, to minimize downtime, to um, maximize uh, your employees' uh, time and, and, and what they can accomplish and things like that. Um, from the simple of we need to secure all your technologies to the backups to the AI capabilities and technology to advance what you're doing to the best tools uh, and best practice for things. There's so much there. An IT visionary or an IT strategist is really valuable. And then people to sit around uh, the, the kitchen table, so to speak, and explain technology and, and help you strategize for the future of your company. How to do more with less. How do you save money but yet uh, make sure you're a cutting-edge company? All these things kind of come to play, and we're here to help. 
Jay, whatever local IT company you decide to go with, consider us because we can make a difference for you in some very, very unique, meaningful ways. And we're not the uh, $250,000 guys. We're the less expensive IT guys. Um, You know, how do you get the best? You always want to find the best equipment for a reasonable expense. That's kind of what we do. How do you find the best IT at at an affordable cost? That's who we are. That's what we do. That's why we keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. For Sam Butchman and Jay Harrison, would love you to make it a great tech day. Will you? Hey, thanks.